This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, before we get into today's subject matter and before I get everybody all angry and up in arms, I want to give you guys a little bit of an update. As you know, on this podcast and in this ministry, we are very, very much so up on what's going on in the abortion industry in the United States, but also just that question, the question of abortion and where people are on it. So there's been a few updates here in the last few weeks. So before we launch in, I want to kind of give you a few of those updates. So the first thing is the unplanned movie. So this was the movie that we talked about several weeks ago. Uh, The unplanned movie has done incredibly well. Um, it's busted all box office expectations and, and pretty much did that. So like right out of the gate. And for those of you who don't know what this movie is, this is a movie about Abby Johnson, who's a former employee of the year of Planned Parenthood, that when she was finally at, I think, eight years into her career, she was asked to actually participate in a dilation and um, evacuation, or it was a DNC. I, it was a DNC abortion, and she was uh, she participated, and it changed literally her entire life. Now she's a pro-life advocate, and this is kind of a movie about her story. Um, and it's done well, like I said. Uh, it expanded into more theaters after its opening weekend. And normally we see that go in the opposite direction, right? Normally with something, especially like an independent film and very much so, especially with Christian films, we see it go the opposite direction. It has a lot of theaters in the first week and then it's usually kind of tails off from there. But the thing about this movie is it's having a huge, huge impact. Uh, there are plenty of stories now that have come out of people that have reached out to either the actresses and actors that were in this movie or the people that made the movie that people are keeping their babies after seeing this movie. I mean, think about that. These are pregnant women that were going to kill the babies inside of them, but they're keeping the babies after seeing a movie. I mean, we have messages and tweets. They've just been rolling in for the last couple of weeks. We have people that are working at abortion mills right now that are reaching out to the people with the unplanned movie and to uh, some of the nonprofits therein to try and get out of the industry. They're they're realizing now that what they're doing is they're basically doing Satan's work in killing babies in uh, by the hundreds and thousands. Right. So, So that's incredibly, incredibly encouraging. But then we have Democratic politicians uh, or independent politicians, if you actually believe that, that kind of bring us back down a little bit. So we got to talk a little bit about Bernie Sanders. So for any of you that watched his town hall on Fox News, it was hilarious. And even the reactions afterwards were even more hilarious. People just couldn't understand why there were so many people clapping in the audience. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that there were a bunch of Bernie people in the audience. So every time he said one of his things, they clapped. But anyway, so uh, I will say this about Bernie before I nail him. Uh, I was happy that he went on Fox News to do a town hall. I mean, he seems to be the only Democratic candidate that's willing to kind of go into enemy territory and kind of engage with their ideas. So I'm going to give him a credit where credit is due. Good on him for doing that. But he was asked a question, I think it was by Martha McCallum, asked whether or not he supports abortions that occur up to the moment of birth. And I'm giving you his exact quote here. Okay, quote. I think that happens very, very rarely, and I think this is being made into a political issue. At the end of the day, I think the decision over abortion belongs to a woman and her physician and not the government. Translation, yeah, he's cool with abortion all the way up to the moment of birth, right? And and that's the thing about him. Bernie's nothing if not consistent. Even if his ideas are ludicrous, he's, he's at least consistent. He's thought the same dumb things since the 60s and 70s, right? 
I mean, he's a professional useless person. He's been useless his entire career, but this is exactly what he believes, right? This is mainstream thought. Again, go back to episode 64 of this podcast. It's called The Democratic Party is the Party of Death. Yes, I know he's an independent, blah, 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 but he's going to be running on the Democratic ticket for president. He may actually get the ticket. Who knows? This guy may end up being our president, and he believes that you can kill a baby up to nine months in the womb, up to the day of birth. So that happened. But it's not all darkness and despair. Let's go to the state of Ohio. So we got to give a slow clap to the state of Ohio because on Thursday, April 11th of 2019, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine signed the heartbeat bill into law. So uh, that is legislation that was actually twice vetoed by Rhino Coward and former Republican presidential candidate and Ohio Governor John Kasich. Uh, But this law essentially protects babies from abortion after a heartbeat is detectable. And this is typically around the six week mark. Okay, so the the six week mark is, um, you know, it's one of those points where there's a lot of women that don't even realize they're pregnant yet. And so if you go in and get an ultrasound at six weeks and they can find a heartbeat in the state of Ohio, you cannot kill your baby. So Ohio joins Mississippi and Kentucky in having some sort of heartbeat legislation. And then also we have Georgia right now. There's kind of similar legislation uh, that will come across governor or Georgia governor, Brian Kemp's desk soon. He says that we, he will sign legislation um, that would essentially be a heartbeat bill for the state of Georgia as well. Uh, Even though he's had a lot of backlash from Hollywood, there's been a lot of, you know, B and C list actors and actresses that have come out and saying, I'll never come to Georgia ever again. And I'll never shoot anything in Atlanta ever again, or blah, blah, blah. And all these things. And the Georgia government says, okay, fine. Uh, you cannot come here and shoot your movies and we just won't kill babies. Fair. Is that okay? Can we do that? But just real quick on heartbeat bills. Cause I, I, I don't want to like, you know, throw a complete cold blanket on this, but I, I do have some issues with heartbeat bills overall. I, I really have issue with heartbeat bills. Well, I'll get more into that here in a second. Here's the thing. Heartbeat bills um, have have holes in them, right? So the thing about heartbeats uh, is they can easily be hidden when you're doing an ultrasound. I mean, if you think about it realistically, you can move the little ultrasound wand from one side of the stomach to the other side, and all of a sudden you don't get a heartbeat anymore, Right. So if you're dealing with pro-death nurses and pro-death doctors and doctors that have made their living and made their their hundreds of thousands and millions off of the corpses of dead babies, don't you think it would be in their best interest and in the best interest of the woman who wants to kill her baby to just, oops, not find the heartbeat? Because here's the thing. There isn't a representative of the state or law enforcement that's in the room during the ultrasound. So how is it enforceable? I mean, really? And I know there's different nuances and, you know, they got to have this reporting structure. Gosh, you just can't forge documents, can you? Especially when it, you know, aids your bottom line. I mean, give me a break. But here's the big question with heartbeat bills. Is, is life not worth anything before the heart starts beating? I mean, I mean, seriously. And right now I'm talking to the apparently pro-life Republicans. What about before the heartbeat? Is is it not worth anything then? You got to have an answer for that. But here's the other thing is heartbeat bills are open to attack. The ACLU already is saying that it will sue Ohio for doing what they've done. And surely they will do the same for Georgia and other states that come after that. Um, There have already been amendments um, that have been proposed and amendments can be made that directly undercut these heartbeat laws itself. And this is, this is an absolutely insane, insane story. I can't even believe I'm going to read this, but I'm going to read it directly. This was reported by Amanda Prestigiacomo. I think that's how you say your last name. Uh, we'll just say Amanda. So Amanda over at the Daily Wire, um, she said this in her story. Okay. So I'm going to go right into the story here. 
A female Democrat state representative from Ohio, Representative Janine Boyd, drafted an amendment last week seeking to have black babies exempted from pro-life legislation dubbed the Heartbeat Bill, which bars babies with detectable heartbeats around six weeks gestation from being killed via abortion. As reported by Life News, Boyd's bill would have given an exemption to African-American women to abort their unborn babies for any reason up to the state's current abortion limit, 20 weeks. Ironically, Boyd likened restrictions on abortion to slavery as she urged her fellow lawmakers to support the measure, the outlet noted. Black slaves were once treated like cattle and put out to stud in order to create generations of more slaves, argued the Democrat. Our country is not far enough beyond our history to legislate as if it is. Thankfully, Amendment 0291 failed, and the heartbeat bill was signed by Republican Governor Mike DeWine on Friday. Former Planned Parenthood executive turned uh, turned pro-life advocate Abby Johnson ripped Boyd's targeted amendment, snarking that apparently a 38% national abortion rate in the African-American community isn't enough. So obviously you can see this was something I think it was struck down uh, by a vote of 11 to 7. But the fact that this even came up where seven people could vote in favor of this. I, I mean, just think about this. Like, it's almost funny. If it didn't have, you know, black babies and babies in general in the balance, it's almost funny that someone would have this idea to propose this amendment. Okay, okay, okay. We, we can approve this bill for heartbeat. But you know what? Just not for the black babies because that's racist. What? Like, like, what are you talking about? We want our black women to have the rights to kill their babies, damn it. Until 20 weeks, you give us our rights, you modern-day slave owners. Really? So that's the thing that happened. But let's go ahead and go into the state of Texas. This is the last thing we'll talk about before we get into today's subject. Um, Texas, there is a uh, something called the Abolition of Abortion in Texas Act. It's House Bill 896. Uh, that was a bill that was proposed by Representative Tony Tenderholt from Arlington which would essentially criminalize abortion and thus abolish it in the state of Texas. So again, slow clap for Representative Tony Tenderholt. Yes, it's a crime to kill babies, okay? And the state of Texas is just now trying to get around to acknowledging that, but it hasn't had its issues, or it hasn't been without its issues, rather. Um, there was a session for the public to come and uh, basically talk to the legislatures, uh, legislators about what they were thinking on this issue. The session lasted until 3 o'clock in the morning because there were 446 Christians that came up and they kept coming to the microphone before the legislature to voice their support for this proposed law and basically proclaim the gospel to them. But then we have faux pro-life Republican legislator Jeff Leach of Plano. He's the committee chair, and he said that he would not allow this bill to come up for a vote. Now, let me back up. This guy is a Republican legislator from Texas. He is in control of what bills come up for vote. He said he was not going to allow that to happen. Again, again, he's pro-life, but he's stopping a bill that would end abortion in Texas. Think about all the craziness that you can go on with that. He's stopping this bill. And this is what he said. He said he didn't want to put this into force because the bill would criminalize the women that got abortions. And so many people in the media, like this is, they're just beside themselves that, you know, they were given this gift um, of someone basically saying that a Republican saying that, and they've jumped on this one thing that it would criminalize the women uh, that were getting these abortions. And then here's the thing is they jumped on this because if you criminalize it, then it's murder. If it happens, right? If you criminalize abortion and a woman has an abortion, that's murder. And if caught and convicted, this woman could get the death penalty. 
because Texas is a capital punishment state, right? So here's the thing. The law in Texas already defines unborn children as protected from murder and or assault and battery, right? So it already recognizes them as human beings from the moment of conception. That's already in Texas law. So here's the thing. If these children have equal value as born humans before they're born, then why is this a problem? Like, I, I don't really understand the controversy here. So I mean, here's the first inflammatory opinion of the day that may trigger you guys. And you maybe won't like it, but I, I don't really care. Um, I think, in my opinion, that these women should be held liable for the deaths of their unborn children. Should be held liable. Like, in what other area of life would someone not be held liable for actively engaging in the murder of another human? I mean, for my metalheads out there, remember what Tim Lambesis, the lead singer of Azalea Dying, did? He thought he was hiring a hitman to kill his wife for like 1200 bucks. What if that, that hitman wasn't a cop? What if that was an actual hitman? And what if that hitman killed his wife? Because here's the thing is if the hitman is caught and he turned on Tim Lambesis, guess what? They both go down for murder. And there's not a person on the planet that thinks, oh, that's not really fair. One guy just paid for it and the other guy did it. <laughs> like no one thinks that that's fair or that that's unfair, right? It's just like, well, yeah, he paid someone else to do it because he was too much of a pansy and a coward to do it himself, right? So, so why is it different? In this situation, a woman walks into an abortion clinic. She's not dragged in. She walks into an abortion clinic, raises her hand and says, yeah, I'll pay you a couple hundred bucks if you kill the baby that's inside of me. Why would we not criminalize that? Something for for, uh, you guys to think about, but uh, that's kind of the end of the abortion update. I kind of wait for a whole bunch to kind of come up at once so that we can give you guys a big update there. But here we are almost 15 minutes in the episode and we haven't even got to the entire point for why we're here. So here's the thing from the jump, as we transition over, I'm giving you guys a trigger warning from the very, very beginning here, because I know, I know I've said a lot of inflammatory things on this podcast. Some of those things were not meant to be inflammatory, but you got offended. And some of those things were meant to be inflammatory. And I wanted to kind of ruffle your feathers a little bit, right? So it's not something that I I do just for kicks and giggles or because I'm a weirdo or a masochist or anything like that. It's just something that kind of happens. But I have this feeling, and I've had this feeling for the last two days whenever I've been debating whether or not I should even record this podcast. I feel like I'm going to get more crap for this episode than any other episode that I've done. Like, I'm going to get more crap for my opinion on this and I can, I can just feel it. I can feel the vitriol coming through the speakers for some of you guys that are going to call me. And I can feel the vitriol just dripping off your fingers as you're furiously, you know, typing an email to me. But you know what? We're here. I'm recording. So we might as well just go ahead and launch in. And I'm going to give you, before we get into it, full disclosure from the very, very beginning. But again, don't tune me out after you hear my disclosure, all right? But here, in interest of full disclosure, I don't enjoy playing golf. I know, I know, maybe that makes me a bad person. I don't enjoy it. I played, you know, dozens of rounds of golf in my life. It was something when I was in college, I was convinced, you know, if I'm going to be a businessman and I'm going to be successful, gosh darn, I got to learn how to play golf. I got to convert my baseball swing into a golf swing and all that. But every time I played golf, I really didn't have fun. And yeah, a part of it was because it was hard. But the other thing was, is because it was just kind of boring. So I hit the ball over there and then I get in the cart and then I go get it. And then I get a different club and then 
I hit it again, and then I drive in the car and go go see it again. And by the seventh or eighth hole, I'm like, good grief, are we still out here? Okay, so I don't enjoy playing golf. So that's from the very beginning. I will, you know, I'll go to, you know, whatever that thing is, uh, top golf and, you know, hit some balls around and try to bomb them over the fence and all that stuff. I, you know, it's whatever, but I just don't like playing it. Here's another thing. I don't enjoy watching golf. I, again, surprise, surprise. If you don't like playing, it, I don't enjoy watching it at all. I cannot understand. It doesn't make any sense to me how human beings can sit down and watch other men play golf. If it's that boring to play, how in the world is it exciting to watch it? And guys, I understand I'm in the minority here. Pretty much every single other one of my guy friends that I actually like love sitting down and watching a golf tournament. Some of them watch all of them. Like, you can barely have a conversation with them because they're buried in their phones. Like, we're all over here talking, having a good time, you know, maybe playing video games, cutting up and whatever. And they're, they're you know, balls deep in their phone watching a tournament on their phone. A useless tournament that no one's even ever heard of, right? I get it. Here's another thing, full disclosure. I have never ever been a fan of Tiger Woods. Okay? Never been a fan. I understand why people are fans of him, but I was never a fan, personally. I remember being a little kid and watching Tiger Woods just act like a baby on the golf course. You know, here's this incredibly talented, crazy, good, gifted golfer that just couldn't like control himself. And again, I'm not one to talk. I've told I've told you about it on this podcast before. Now, I used to lose my mind at everything. Like couldn't play video games, couldn't, you know, play, play board games, couldn't play with buddies because it was just like, I would just lose it. If I lost, I would just lose my mind. Right. I've, I've kind of, you know, (laughs) matured past that by this point, but I just couldn't understand why this guy was constantly complaining and cussing up a storm. But also when I was a little kid watching him play golf, I remember he hit a bad shot and he's walking like over a bridge or or something like that. And there was a little kid that was in front of him and he was trying to like get out of Tiger Woods's way. And he like pushed the kid down, like, and just kept on walking. Cause he was pissed off that he hit a bad shot. I was like, screw this guy. What a loser. Who does that kind of thing? So I just wasn't really a big fan of Tiger Woods. So it wasn't like, you know, I was a big fan of Phil Mickelson, so I couldn't be a fan of Tiger Woods. I just, yeah, it's just whatever. So here's the thing. Again, I'll remind you, don't tune me out because of the things I just told you that I don't like playing golf, watching golf, not a fan of Tiger Woods. Don't tune me out. Stick with me. Okay. If you stuck with me this far, you might as well stick with me to the end. So for those of you that have no idea where I'm going with this, here's a newsflash. Tiger Woods won the 2019 Masters Golf Tournament, okay? Um, He won it at 43 years old, which for those of you that aren't very familiar with golf, that is not really normal for a Masters champion. He he was actually the second oldest winner uh, of this tournament, and that's only behind the GOAT, Jack Nicklaus, and he won it back in 1986 at the age of 46, okay? And for Tiger Woods, it had been 11 years since he had last won a major tournament. So I think the last tournament he won was the, two thousand. I guess that would be 2008 U.S. Open, right? And so I don't really know if this is a record of some kind, but I mean, that's an unbelievably long drought, especially for a guy that won so many prior to 11 years ago, right? And, but then after that time, you know, we see in 2009, he had a very public split with his wife and, you know, we'll get into more of that here in just a moment. Uh, he had multiple issues with his swing. Uh, he had issues with his longtime coaches and caddies. Um, he even had, his body was like breaking down. He had multiple surgeries. I think he had two or three surgeries on his back, um, which actually proved some of his early naysayers, right? There were a lot of guys watching Tiger Woods as he was coming up and just winning some of his first tournaments and winning some of his first majors saying, this guy's swing is too violent. 
Like it's just it's just too big of a swing. Like his back's gonna break down, his knees are gonna break down, his hips are gonna break down, and you know he kind of proved some of his early naysayers right. Uh, and then even recently, within the last few years, uh, we see that he abused pain medication and was addicted to that. And I think he had to actually go to rehab. Uh, the dude's basically been a, been a mess. I mean, for the, the over a decade now, but he wins one major tournament that was shown on television, and it's as if nothing ever happened. None of those things happened. So let's look a little bit at the the public reaction. The thing about this is as soon as this happened, as soon as he won, he was universally praised. Like by everybody. This was called, you know, a triumph. It was called the greatest comeback story in sports history. We saw the word uh, redemption. Redemption used a lot. And, you know, we'll get more into that later. But people literally of, of from all over the world, you know, uh, former President Barack Obama, current President Donald Trump, I mean, celebrities, other athletes, current golfers, everyone was just stumbling over themselves, slobbering over this achievement by Tiger Woods. I mean, I tried to find a hater out there and I just couldn't. I mean, I didn't, you know, canvas Twitter for hours, but I just couldn't find a hater, anyone that was hating on this. I have personal friends that absolutely lost their minds. These nerds were sitting around wearing red Nike shirts on on Sunday, just absolutely lost it when he won. I mean, I had several friends, uh, and these are these are really really smart sports people. They they know their stuff. They're not just you know armchair quarterback and everything they've ever seen. Several friends said it was the most incredible thing they had ever watched in sports history, and they weren't being hyperbolic. The the greatest thing they had ever seen in sports. Greater than than any comeback at the end of the Super Bowl. Greater than any walk-off in a World Series. Greater than anything. A golf tournament. Okay? But there were also lots of reaction videos online. I mean, go to Instagram and Twitter and you see people whenever he sinks that last putt. I mean, when he, when he won on 18, it, I mean, they just lost it. Absolute elation. Just craziness. One of my buddies on Facebook, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say this. He said that it was the best day of his life. And I don't think he was being cheeky. Tiger Woods winning the Masters on Sunday was the best day of his life. This dude is married. I really hope his wife or his wife's family or friends didn't see that post. Because if they took him seriously, they probably can't take him seriously anymore. The best day of his life. And just today, guys, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Just today at lunch, we got this big table. There's like 30 people. It's this uh, young professionals event. And it was just really great fun. And I'm talking to this gal about the tournament. And, you know, she's kind of giving her her opinion of uh, people rooting for Tiger. And the guy across from us, when we had kind of stopped uh, talking, when there was kind of a lull in the conversation, he said, "Uh, I I cried when Tiger sunk the putt on 18. And I start laughing. I start laughing because I'm convinced he's joking. Because of course he would be. Why would a grown man cry when another man wins a golf tournament? He wasn't kidding. This grown man with a wife and kids cried when Tiger Woods sunk a putt to win a tournament. Now, guys, like I said, I, I, you know, surprise, surprise, I'm a fairly passionate guy. So I've had my big ups and my big downs when it comes to sports. I have never cried because of elation, because of something that happened in sports. Not when the, you know, the Thunder made it to the NBA finals back in 2012, you know, not whenever the Cardinals win the world series, like not whenever, you know, my favorite fighter gets a knockout. I don't cry 
I get excited, I hoot and holler, I clap, but cried? He cried? But possibly the most egregious of all the reactions was President Trump. He said, this was yesterday as of the recording of this podcast, that he's going to award Tiger Woods the Medal of Freedom. For those of you that don't know what the Medal of Freedom is, is this is the highest civilian honor. The highest one possible. So here's a quote from Politico to kind of give you an idea what the Medal of Freedom is. Quote, bestowed upon those who have made especially meritorious contributions to the security or national interests of the United States, to world peace, or to cultural or other significant public or private endeavors, unquote. Yes, President Trump is awarding a guy that won a golf tournament the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So, I know you're probably going to be surprised by this, but I had a different reaction. So this was my reaction, and it was this. Should we really be cheering for this guy? I mean, really? Should we be cheering for Tiger Woods? And guys, as soon as I heard the thought, because in full disclosure, again, I wasn't watching the final round on the Masters. I was doing, I was training jujitsu, right? I had better things to do than sit around and watch a guy walk around on a golf course, right? But I felt like I was on an island by myself. From the moment I thought that, I was like, well, no one else is really thinking that. Maybe I'm off my rocker. Now, interestingly enough, I've talked to a couple of females since I kind of had that thought first, and they weren't terribly happy with the slobbering love affair with, with his victory. And then I had to think about it a little bit more. The only people I saw, like, you know, tripping over their own wieners to, you know, basically, you know, loud this guy with praise were dudes. But, you know, maybe that's me reading into the situation a little bit too much. But here's the thing, is yes, Tiger Woods won a tournament. He won a golf tournament. He won, he won the biggest golf tournament there is. But it seemed like the praise that he was getting was not just for the sports accomplishment, but for him as a man. And that's my issue. Okay? My issue is that the praise was not just because he had won a very prestigious tournament but that he had somehow turned a corner as a man. So I'm going to do something right now that's going to offend a lot of you, but again, I, I kind of don't care. I already told you that. I'm going to kind of recap for those of you that may have forgotten about his transgressions, right? This, this philandering athlete, right? I want to remind you what we found out about him in 2009, but don't worry. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just piling on the guy. So here's the thing. If we go back to 2009, um, let's go back to the night where his wife, Elon, found out that he uh, had been cheating. So um, apparently she had gotten connected with a escort for some club in New York City and, you know, basically confronted her over the phone and saying, hey, I know that you're sleeping with my husband, blah, 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 all those types of things. Um, and apparently whenever Tiger Woods got home or whatever, there was like a, a big to do, right? He had actually taken a sleeping pill to try and sleep in Ambien or something like that. But his wife woke him up to basically challenge him, showing him his phone. Who's this that you're texting? That kind of thing. All kind of craziness. But then apparently Elon goes nuts. She starts attacking Tiger Woods, which I do not advocate, but she is attacking Tiger Woods for, for him, you know, basically his infidelity starts scratching and clawing at him. And again, I guess Tiger Woods is kind of in a, a little bit of a ambient induced stupor. And so he manages to run out to the garage to get in his SUV and he throws that baby in reverse and he blasts into a tree, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So he blasts into this tree and apparently it knocks him out, right? Now, when Tiger Woods came to and the cops came to him uh, and we're talking to him, 
He lied straight to their faces about why he hit the tree. He just said, you know, he was in a hurry and hit the tree. And then he came out and said that his wife was, was a hero and that she came out with a golf club and she busted out the back window of his SUV to try and save him. Because I know that if a buddy of mine gets in an accident and he's in the driver's seat, that my first order of business is I'm going to take a golf club or something hard and I'm going to bust out the back window of the SUV to try and save my buddy in the driver's seat. At least that was the uh, story that we were told, right? But then we see that Tiger confessed to cheating on his wife with 120 different women during their five-year marriage. In five years, 120 different women that he confessed to. Let's just assume the number was probably a little bit higher than that. And they were ranging from porn stars to exotic dancers to escorts and even neighbors. So I bet you guys didn't know this one. One of the women that he admitted to having an affair with was his 21-year-old neighbor named Rachel uh, Coderit, I think is how you say her last name, that Tiger Woods had known since that girl, Rachel, was 14 years old. Yeah. So she was 21 at the time. She was an adult. But he knew her when she was 14. And apparently that was the absolute last straw for Elon. That's whenever, the you know, she had apparently been thinking she wasn't going to divorce Tiger Woods. But when she found out about that one, that was like, you know, the 14th or 15th girl that he admitted to, to having an affair with. But that was the last straw. That was the one that broke Campbell's back. And here's the other thing that you guys maybe didn't know, because to be honest with you, I didn't know. And still, I started digging a little bit further. Um, he allegedly, again, allegedly got some of these women pregnant, but if you think about it, I mean, gosh, he, you know, had sex with over a hundred women that wasn't his wife. And I'm sure he didn't just have sex with them one time in that five-year period. But here's the thing is there are no known children of Tiger Woods other than the two, the boy and the girl that he had with Elon. Well, isn't that just strange? Now, these women, again, this is alleged. These, There's one woman that actually alleged that he impregnated her twice. But that woman doesn't have any kids by Tiger Woods. Hmm. So I got to ask you, is it plausible that Tiger Woods paid for those situations to go away? Again, I don't have any evidence of this. I'm, I'm going based strictly on circumstantial evidence and logic, I guess. But there's one woman that claimed that Tiger Woods gave her $10 million just to not say anything. So can we assume that if he got one of these women pregnant, which the odds are, are fairly decent of that, that Tiger Woods didn't pay for that woman to have an abortion? Again, I don't have any evidence of that, but isn't it even a plausible? I think it's plausible. So here's the thing. I know a lot of you guys right now here are probably some of your reactions because these are some of the reactions that I've gotten when I've even floated this idea. So one of the reactions is, why do you find it so important to bring up this this guy's old transgressions? Right? Like, why would you, would you like somebody to bring up all your old transgressions? But here's the thing. Here's my response to that. It's because they're still relevant. His old transgressions, yes, from over 10 years ago, they're still relevant today. The thing that you guys don't remember is that Tiger Woods never actually apologized for what he did. More on that here in a second. But we also get this reaction from a lot of people. He's a great man. Leave him alone. Great dude. It's Tiger Woods, man. Leave him alone. But my response to that is, what evidence do we have that Tiger Woods has improved as a man? I mean, just think about it. He's had some more high-profile relationships after this divorce. Lindsey Vaughn, ring a bell. 
world-renowned skier, pretty much probably the only skier that you can actually name, the only Olympic skier that's female that you can name, right? They had a very public relationship, but also a very public downfall of their relationship. And the listed reason? Because he cheated on her. This was years after Elon. We've seen evidence over and over and over of Tiger Woods doing the exact same thing that he did to his wife. He was trying to have his cake and eat it too with Elon, and it just didn't quite work out. He, I guess he should have gone the Derek Jeter route. Don't get married until you're absolutely ready to get married, and, and then you know, you've sold your wild oats and move on. But the thing about it was is all, like most of his relationships have ended the exact same way. He cheats, the woman's like, ah, I'm not down with that, and then the relationship's over. So has he really improved as a man? Because he's still doing that stuff. But here's the, here's the other thing. Remember, he lied to police officers about what happened that night in his driveway. And he's never corrected the record. He got like a, you know, reckless driving ticket. Because like apparently you can get a reckless driving ticket in your own driveway. But here's the other thing. And this is the thing that I will always remember. I remember the press conference, the first time that he did a massive press conference after all of the, you know, sexual stuff broke. He sat there in front of a room full of reporters with his family members beside him and all these things. I think his mom was there. And, you know, basically in a press conference that was being showed to millions of people and has been watched tens of millions of times since then, I'm sure. Tiger Woods came out and lied directly to everyone's face about what happened that night. He said that his wife acted courageously trying to bust him out of his car after he'd ran into the tree. Because he wouldn't just come clean and say, no, my wife uh, got really crazy and she was trying to kill me with a nine iron. He couldn't just say that. He he had to spin it, right? And he's never corrected the record. So this great man, according to you, has lied directly to your face. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever you say, Tiger. (laughs) I mean, really? This is a great man? And here's another reaction is, Here's, here's the one that you can obviously see coming. Stop judging him. How dare you judge him? You don't have the judgment seat. My response would be, stop making me. You're the one putting Tiger in front of my face and in front of everybody's face. You're the one bringing it up in conversations. You're the one that's plastering it all over Twitter. This is you guys. This is you guys tweeting about it and posting about it and talking to everyone at work about it. This is you guys. Like, I, I guarantee you, I have not lost a wink of sleep since Tiger Woods won the Masters. It, it literally has no bearing on my life whatsoever. To be honest with you, I wish there was something better to be talking about this week. But there, there's not really anything that I thought was going to be as pertinent to you guys. But here's another reaction that I've been getting. It's that he never claimed to be perfect, Kyle. I mean, he doesn't even claim to be a Christian. And here's my response to that. It's exactly... He needs to delve into the person of Jesus, right? Because the only way that we have a statement like, well, I'm not perfect or nobody's perfect or he never claimed to be perfect is the implication that perfection is possible and that we've seen it before. As far as we can tell, this is not something that he's talked about a lot. Tiger Woods is not an evangelical Christian. He's not a Christian really, I think, in any way, shape or form. The only thing I could really find on him is that he's a Buddhist, that he at least aligns with that. Now, I don't know that he's a practicing Buddhist or something like that, and, and I certainly could have gotten uh, onto a site where the facts weren't exactly correct, but let's just say he, he doesn't have a biblical-based worldview, okay? I think that's what we can fairly say. But this is a person that really needs to dive in 
to, to who Jesus is and the reality of who Jesus is. Because here's the reality, guys. Here's the reality. And this is where I'm going to come at you directly. If you're getting mad at what I'm saying right now, it's probably because you're a big fan of his. Is that fair to say? I mean, go back to episode 66 of this podcast, Leaving Neverland, where we, it was that documentary done about Michael Jackson, you know, allegedly raping all these boys and, you know, uh, taking care of their families so that they, that he could take the kids with them and all those different things. It talked a lot about at the end of that, about can we separate art from the artist, right? And, you know, as a Christian man, can we listen to Michael Jackson today and enjoy it while also acknowledging that the guy was probably a horrifically gross and evil human being? And and I, I won't kind of rehash what I did. If you want, just go back and listen to that episode, episode 66. But again, the, the real point was it's the depravity that we know versus the depravity that we don't. Because here's the thing, and I've got some really smart buddies. They always want to point this out. Oh, Kyle, you think all of your favorite athletes are just choir boys? No, no, I do not. Do I think Yadier Molina is the greatest person on the planet Earth? Do I think Michael Jordan is the greatest person on the planet Earth? Do I think Barry Sanders was the greatest person on Earth? I know better. I know better than to make my sports icons, my heroes, my personal heroes. I certainly know better than to worship at their altar. And again, I've lost my mind about sports over the years, but I've got a different perspective right now as I'm sitting here talking to you. That some of the things I heard people saying about Tiger Woods, it was the same language that you would get from, from a worship service. The same type of language would be used for someone that is serving someone else, someone who's a disciple of somebody. That's the language that I got. Grown men crying because a guy sunk a putt? I mean, this is worship. And all the things that I've set up to this point about this, again, if you're still with me, stick with me, because here's the point. I'm going to bring it home here, here for you. The real crux of the issue and, the, and the, real, the thing that really stuck for me was the use of the word redemption. Redemption, redemption, redemption. Just, I mean, tweet after tweet, headline after headline, the redemption of Tiger Woods. This is his redemption, his redemptive moment. I saw that over and over. Okay, for those of you, I'll I'll give you a couple definitions here. So dictionary.com says the word redemption is an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or mistake or the state of being redeemed. In the Google dictionary, it's very similar. It's the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Redemption, guys, it's a theological word. And we're applying it to a guy that won a golf tournament. Again, is Tiger Woods redeemed because he won the Masters? He He's redeemed. It's, it's whitewashed all of his faults. We've forgotten all the faults from before this moment. He's redeemed? I mean, look at the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 1, 7. I think this is probably the most appropriate verse from the entire Bible when it comes to redemption. It's, again, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. I mean, there's so much there in one sentence. Redemption comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we get forgiven for our sins. And it's because of God's grace, his immense and tremendous grace. But here we are talking about redemption for an athlete. And I know people are like, oh, you're, you know, making this too grandiose of a point. Like, you know, it's an argument that, that proves too much, Kyle. Like, you can't, you can't take it that far. But I'm going that far. Because, again, it's what I saw. 
It's not just the words that were used. It's what I saw. It wasn't just slobbering adoration. It was worship of a, of a man that plays a sport, a man that we have not seen do great things in his personal life. We can assume that he's not a great person, which makes him just like all of us, just like me, just like you. But we've elevated him to this position to where he's somehow hovering above, above, above all of us, right? And I just have an issue with that. I really want you guys to stop and think. Again, if you're tempted to get mad at me right now and, you know, flame me online or whatever, or fire off that email, give me 24 hours in your brain. Just let this sit and marinate for 24 hours. And then you can yell at me. Send me an email. Ask me for my phone number. I'll give you my phone number. And you can yell at me right over the phone. I'll even FaceTime you. So you can yell at me and I can watch you wag your finger in my face. Right? But just think about that. Think about the words that have been used. Think about maybe the words that you've said in reference to Tiger Woods and this tremendous accomplishment that he has. But it all comes down to this. And, you know, you you see the title of this podcast, Should We Root for Tiger Woods? So should we root for Tiger Woods? And here's the thing. If you like golf, sure. We all love to see greatness in motion. I mean, even if we're not a fan of the athlete directly, we, we love seeing greatness, right? Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe you're a fan of the San Francisco uh, Giants, but you just love watching Kershaw pitch for the arch rival Dodgers, right? It's just something about Kershaw. You know you're watching greatness. I mean, if you're a Pistons fan back in the day and Michael Jordan broke your heart and all those different things, and, uh, you know, if something like that happens, but there's still just something about watching him play. If you hate the Golden State Warriors, which I could probably uh, count myself among them, it's still amazing watching, you know, Steph Curry shoot the three, the three ball. I mean, that's amazing. So if you like golf, yeah, sure. But, you know, you know, root for him. Root for the guy. Who cares? If you like comeback stories that have to do with sports, sure. Root for Tiger Woods. I mean, Americans love a great comeback story. I mean, just think about it. Why is Rocky, why are the 24 Rocky movies that have been made, why are those always so popular? Because it's a comeback story. It's the, it's the underdog, right? We love that story. But here's the thing. If you care about honor and integrity when it comes to public figures, no, you shouldn't root for Tiger Woods. Because this man has not been honorable and he has not had integrity in his life. And we have no evidence that he's repented of any of the things that he's done. I'm sure he's sorry. I'm sure he didn't want to fork over a nine-figure settlement to his spouse who never sunk a putt in her life, right? Her ex, his ex-spouse. But this isn't an honorable man. This man doesn't operate with integrity. Here's the other thing. If you care about the lives of the women Tiger took advantage of, no, you shouldn't root for him. And some of you are like, oh, he didn't take advantage of them. They were willing participants. Yes, I'm not claiming that Tiger sexually assaulted anybody. But again, some of these women were escorts. Some of these women get paid to have sex. And women don't get paid to have sex if there's no market for it. Right? Basic marketing. Marketing 101. If there's no demand, there will be no supply. So what about Tiger Woods taking advantage of these women that are doing this in order for them to make money? You want to root for that guy? Here's another one. If you care about the lives that Tiger may have ended to cover up his transgressions, no, you shouldn't root for him. Again, I'm, I'm going on complete conjecture here that he, the women that claimed that he knocked them up, that they were not lying, that they were telling the truth. 
that they were given non-disclosure agreements or that they were given gag orders and that they were given hush money and maybe some money to take care of those things as well. Again, not saying it happened. It's certainly plausible. Should you root for a guy like that? I don't think so. And here's the last one. If you care about Tiger Woods the man, yes, you should root for him. But probably not in the way that you're thinking. If you really care about Tiger Woods the man, we should root for him to repent, to confess his sins to God, to accept Jesus Christ as his only Savior. And then he will have his redemption story. Only then. All right, guys, before we let you go, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now, we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, that's by providing content like this podcast that forges spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So this week, we're going to focus on spiritual resilience. And I'm going to repeat something I said a few weeks ago, and that is to go see the movie Unplanned. We talked about it right off the top of this podcast. I've got a link here in the description for you guys to go to the film. You can find information about the film, news about the film. You can find where it's showing in your area. This is a movie that should have been out of theaters after the first weekend and here it is lingering weeks and weeks later it's a huge movie it's amazing to see how the church the the greater church even protestant you know catholic whatever has rallied around this film it's really really powerful and tremendous to see all right thank you guys for listening to the podcast we really do appreciate it please subscribe on itunes soundcloud or google play and refer your friends to listen and share on social media if you use the hashtag undaunted life we'll be sure to find your post and give it a thumbs up guys if we deserve a five-star review please leave us one that is how this podcast will continue to grow please take a quick second and leave us a review i'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2019 so if you want me to come speak on your podcast speak to your team at your men's event whatever hit me up via email info at undaunted.life info at undaunted.life. Our website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. Links to all of this are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, Keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.